Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Don't Judge, Just Love podcast. This is episode number three, and on this episode, we are going to talk a little bit more about IVF. IVF, baby. And the five things that we wish we knew before we started IVF. Sorry, I was trying to sign IVF, and I don't know why that was happening. And also, I was really struggling with that. So I, I hope that you're able to see that on the video. Hope you're watching on because YouTube. Because those that uh, are listening <laughs> cannot hear the tree, sign. Real tree, real tree, watching <laughs> how ridiculous we look while we do this. Okay. Um, yes, we are discussing IVF today. Um, near and dear topic to our heart, obviously, because if you're new here, um, perhaps you may not know, you may or may not know, um, Chase and I have been doing IVF for the past like two years. Um, and we learned a lot in that amount of time. So we wanted to share the five things that we wish we would have known before we started IVF. And so that you, if you're navigating this journey, it will be that much easier to navigate with some of these these tips or information or maybe takeaways that we've had with our experience. For sure. Because I wish that I'm I'm sure there's a lot of podcasts like this that exist. Um, I wish I would have listened to one of them (laughs) before starting IVF myself. So that's why we're creating this. Hopefully it can help someone. Absolutely. So before we dive in, what is IVF? So according to me or Mayo Clinic, actually, this might sound very familiar if you've read Mayo Clinic recently, but IVF is in vitro nobody, fertilization. Honey, nobody just reads Mayo Clinic. Oh, that's not. I, that's I do not sometimes. No, it's kind don't. of entertaining. <laughs> but it is IVF is a complex series of procedures used to help with fertility or prevent genetic problems and assist with the conception of a child. So basically, it's taking mature eggs. And those are retrieved from your ovaries, and then they're fertilized with sperm in a lab. Then those fertilized eggs are transferred back to the uterus. Um, one full cycle typically takes about three weeks, but in our case, six <laughs> take about two years. I really enjoyed you reading that. You did definition of IVF. Yeah, yes, that was great. Um, no, I do feel like it's important to share that definition because IVF is obviously something that people are very familiar with. They're, you know, it's been around for a long time now. People are used to hearing about it, but I think um, the majority of people, especially if you haven't had to do that or you don't, you're not, you know, you don't know anyone who has, um, you really have no idea what the heck it actually is, like what's going on in the process. So that was really good, Chase. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad you shared that. Thank you, Mayo Clinic. (laughs) Thank you, Mayo Clinic. Appreciate it. Um, So with that, um, one more bit of context before we dive into this. If you're new here, you may or may not know. Here's one more thing you may or may not know. Um, For Chase and I, the reason that we are doing IVF is for genetic testing. Um, So we didn't struggle with infertility. We conceived our three children naturally, naturally, um, fairly easily. Um, Ava was an unplanned pregnancy while preventing. Um, so that, at least in that season of our life, that was not our struggle. Um, however, our daughters have an incredibly rare genetic disease called CDG. Um, Chase and I are both carriers of that. We discovered that when our older daughter, Charlie was born with the disease. We had no idea we had it prior to that. Um, but that was when we learned about, um, IVF's ability to, um, uh, genetically test embryos before implantation so that you can prevent 
perpetuating genetic, um, you know, diseases Mutations and, and diseases. Yeah. Yeah. Issues, genetic issues. Um, so that is our reason for doing IVF and so that's kind of fertility a common, or genetic problems. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a common misunderstanding about our story. Not that we'd expect everyone to automatically know that, but I think that is like the tendency is to assume that if someone is doing IVF, it is for infertility because probably the, you know, large percentage of folks who are doing it, that, that is their reason. Um, but there, there are those who are doing it for genetic reasons like us. That's our reason for doing it. Anyway. Okay. So let's get into let's let's get the, into the five. The top five things, top five things that I wish knew. I would have known before I started IVF. Yes. Um, number one, I wish I would have realized how very much time is of the essence mm-hmm. with IVF. Um, and I say it that way that I wish I would have realized it because I feel like I, I, I knew that, right? Like we all learned about the female reproductive system in school, <laughs> right? As a woman, you know, you'd hope that you'd have some understanding of, of the, <laughs> the reproductive system. Um, and you learn about your biological clock. Like, obviously, I had learned about those things. I knew that. Um, but I don't think I'm alone in, in that the urgency just was lost on me. Like, it just didn't quite click in the way that I wish it would have. Um, And even in, like, my conversations with other doctors, it's like, it just, I don't know. The urgency was lost on me. And so that is absolutely the number one thing I wish I would have realized is that time is of the essence. Um, Your biological clock is a very real thing. And um, it matters, you know. It, it, it has an effect. I'll say that your age has a major effect on, um, the probability and the success of, thank you. Yes. Fertility. So, so there's a little bit of a story behind that too, right? So I think it was, Charlie was a year old. I think when you had your first IVF consultation. So this, this leads me into my next point. I'll, I'll share my number two thing that I wish I would have known was that doing IVF does not necessarily have to mean getting pregnant right away. Um, in my mind, those those two things, you know, IVF cycle and getting pregnant soon um, were irrevocably connected. Um, and I wish I would have understood that they don't have to be. They can be, but they don't have to be because freezing your embryos is a thing. And in our case, um, where we were doing genetic testing, and that was our reason for doing IVF, it was, um, it was that was our whole point. Like we knew we were going to freeze our embryos because they had to be frozen to send to the genetic lab to do the testing. Um, so, like a fresh embryo transfer, which is another option. Um, that was not an option for us like that, you know? And so to share a story that illustrates this, um, I had my first consultation with an IVF clinic when our oldest daughter, Charlie was a year old and she's about to turn seven. So that was six years ago now. Um, and we didn't end up actually doing IVF until what, four years later? Yeah. Part of that was able, we had our unplanned pregnancy with Ava. Um, we would have done IVF sooner had it not been for um, God's greater plan for Ava to be in our family, which obviously we would not change for anything. We know that that was as it was meant to be and why that all Better went that way. Better than we could have designed for ourselves. For sure. Um, but 
my point is in that, in that consult with them, um, when Charlie was just a year old, my intention was just to kind of orient myself with what was involved, what the process was. Um, I wasn't ready to start the process at that time. Um, but I, I wish that in those conversations, you know, when I was, when Charlie was just a year old, that was, I was 32 then. Um, we did end up starting IVF till I was 36, like over the age of 35. I, I wish that there, I had felt the urgency. I wish more urgency had been um, communicated. And, and this isn't me faulting the folks that I spoke to in that consult. It's nothing like that. Um, but I am sharing this to you guys because I don't want it to be lost on anyone else that like the age is such a big factor and you can freeze your embryos um, and you're never going to be younger than you are today, right? Like, um, so if you, if you have discovered that IVF is something that you are going to need um, or something that you want to do. The I'm, best time to look into it is. I mean, now ASAP, yeah, or tomorrow. That, <laughs> that's the advice, though. Like, re- truly, it's you know, the younger the, to simplify it, the younger the better. I mean, that's what I wish would have clicked for me. And I, and again, I wish it would have clicked that it doesn't have to mean like looking into it or even going through the process, doing an egg retrieval, um, freezing your embryos. It does not have to mean that you're getting pregnant right away. You can transfer those embryos whenever you want. I mean, they freeze for a very long time. Um, So I would advise doing it as young as you can. As soon as you know that that is a thing that you are going to need or that you want to pursue, don't, I mean, like get on it. I Man, I wish I would have understood that. And again, for Chase and I, it's like, would that have made a huge difference if we'd started IVF when I was only 32 versus 36? We don't know. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know that that would have had um, an impact on our results. But we do know that despite the fact that we hadn't had struggles with infertility earlier on, um, we naively took that to mean that IVF was just going to be a breeze. I mean, we honestly thought that. And we just assumed, oh, like we didn't have any trouble getting pregnant. Like why would IVF be any different? Like we'll just, we'll just bang out a couple, you know, a couple max. That's literally what we thought. We might have to, I remember Chase and I having conversations like we might have to do two rounds. Like we just need to emotionally be prepared for that six rounds later. Anyway. Um, but we just, we saw it going so much more smoothly than it did because we didn't have any trouble conceiving our first three kiddos. Um, and all of that to say, we don't know if that would have been any different if we had started the process sooner, um, but it certainly couldn't have hurt, right? Because it didn't go smoothly. It was a struggle. Um, you know, there there were s- struggles with uh, egg count and and um, embry- like egg quality and, and things like that. So hindsight's twenty twenty. And you want to, again, time is of the essence. And, you know, if you know that this is the path you want to take. Freeze them eggs. Freeze them freeze eggs. Them or, eggs or go today or tomorrow to start your consult <laughs> consult in that process. Oh, we sound like an ad. Go today or tomorrow. Go, go today. today or tomorrow. <laughs> go today. <laughs> Don't wait. Um, 
No, but that's a good good lead in. You're just doing one. all these good lead ins. Thanks. You're so good at the lead ins. Um, to number three, just to manage our expectations. Um, like we just mentioned, Chase and I were very naive um, about the process. Um, we uh, <laughs> we erroneously assumed that it would go easy breezy for us because we had never had trouble conceiving. That was not the case. Um, we ended up doing six IVF cycles. The first two failed, which means we did not get any healthy embryos at the end. Um, cycle number three, we got one healthy embryo. Cycle number four, we got one healthy embryo. Cycle number five was another failed cycle. And cycle, cycle number six, um, we got four healthy embryos. Wild. Um, and let me just expound on that this, because this is, I think this is really important. And this is a huge component in managing your expectations with IVF. Um, we get asked all the time, oh my gosh, what did you do differently in cycle six, where you got four embryos, you guys, nothing. We didn't do anything differently. Um, not to my recollection. Um, cycle number five started out as our best cycle. Cycle number five, where we got no mm -hmm. healthy embryos. It was a failed cycle. It started out as our best cycle. We got our highest egg count. Um, we got our highest number of fertilized embryos mm -hmm. as well. So started with all of our highest numbers, ended up with zero at the end. And I don't say that to, I say that again, just to illustrate and kind of like prep anyone <laughs> who may be going through this in the future, that IVF is just the most freaking wild ride ever. And this <laughs> is the reason why. This is why. It is a roller coaster like nothing else. And people told me that, like people try to prep you. They try to tell you these things. And I will say it is a little bit like having a child and that like, well, yeah, it's, it's like one of those things that, um, it's really hard to describe just, or explain well, it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's really hard to know until you're in it. Like it, it truly is. But, um, I think it still would have been helpful for us to, to just know the numbers don't necessarily equate to how the cycle is going to turn out. Um, and so it's like a, like a numbers game in Vegas. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you start out with all the chips on the table and you think it's going to be the best round in 21. Are you speaking from some personal no. gambling experience? But Chase, the, the gambling expert. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's exactly like that. Like exactly. Um, <laughs> but I, in light of that, I think our advice for people is to go into it just almost, if possible, with no expectations. I mean, that sounds really weird and like, how do you even do that? But um, we don't want to try to coin a phrase or anything, but don't judge, just love the experience. Oh, yeah. To be a little bit that might cheesy. Be, that might be a little cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little oversimplifying. <laughs> um, but, but truly, it's to go in just knowing that this could go lots of different ways totally. and, um, and it's kind of finding that like happy place of not letting your hopes get dashed, um, by something in the middle of a cycle, not going the way you think it was going to, because it could turn, it, it still could turn out great. 
Um, the cycles on, could go great, and then the transfer doesn't go well. You know, well, like so. Oh my gosh, why are you saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like that's why you just have to manage your expectations. <laughs> yeah, Chase over here ticking me off by. No, I'm not. No, I wasn't trying tri- to trigger, trigger anything. No, no. No, <laughs> we're doing our. We're doing our transfer. By the time transfer. this goes live, um, we will have done our transfer, and hopefully, it will have been successful. It will go fantastic. But we haven't yet, so I'm like, how dare you how dare you put that thought in my mind but again welcome to IVF it is kind of like that where there's just like the thing that makes it hard is that in the course of a cycle an egg retrieval cycle you have so many appointments and every single one of those feels like a moment where you're either going to walk away feeling awesome like ooh, yay or feeling like all hope is freaking lost and and for some reason this process of IVF really does seem to um, pull you onto those those poles. Like those, it seems to have that polarizing effect. Um, just high highs and really freaking low lows. And I want to put out there that during our cycles, there were multiple moments, you guys, um, where I was so down. Um, and I don't get like that very often. So that's that's kind of saying a lot. Um, you know, just kind of in one of those slumps of like, this is lost, like really struggling to continue to have hope in the process. Um, and I want to share that to illustrate the fact that you can feel that way in a moment. It doesn't mean you're going to feel that way forever. And it also doesn't mean, um, that that has to, um, that you should go off of that necessarily, Uh, to determine how you proceed. Does that make sense? Like I had moments where I felt that way, but then we found our way out of that funk and decided to keep going and keep trying. We had two failed cycles. Our first two cycles failed. We got zero, two in a row. Um, And at the end of all of our cycles, we had six healthy embryos, right? And our our story is still unfolding, obviously. Um, but our hope and what we choose to believe is that we're going to have this really beautiful ending that we'll be able to share that can encourage people along this journey because it's just so up and down and to, you know, and hopefully it will make people, it will um, perpetuate their hope, like totally. make people realize you don't have to lose hope through the course, like no matter what happens. As people say, speak hope into other people. Yeah. But the transfer, is, the, the, transfer, this, but. the transfer is going to go amazing, by the yeah. way. Oh, <laughs> it is. It's going to be fantastic. If, you can, if you're not watching, I'm, I'm <laughs> fake punching Even better than we expect. Right now, punching him in the face Easiest right pregnancy now. yet. Yeah, that's Gosh, right. It's, that's you're right. going to love it. Yeah, oh it's going to be gosh. great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So back to our five points. So that's number three. That's number three. Number four. Number four is? It's expensive. Yeah, IVF oh my gosh. is something we wish we would have known is um, we wish we would have been aware of all of the financial resources that were available before we started. Um, and like Chase said, I feel like we just have to get this. Problem. We just have to like address this. IVF is horrifically expensive and it's just awful. Um, I and that's get, also why it hurts too when it doesn't work. Oh, for sure. You're like, sure. oh my gosh. And like, it's true. It does add this additional layer to the whole thing 
and it's it just sucks man I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it because it does and I could get on a real soapbox about this like if there was something that I could reform in some way um from a healthcare perspective that would probably be the oh well there's a lot of things, but that <laughs> <laughs> that'd be one of them. One of, on the list be a for sure. Huge one because sure. it shouldn't be, um, you know, a luxury only afforded to, you know, the one percent or like whoever is just fortunate enough to be able to afford that. Um, and it's it's so so sad that it's just so astronomically priced in our country. Um, there are other places in the world where that's not the case. Maybe someday that'll be us. I'm just going to hold out for that. Yeah. Also, but um, let's get to the good so, news. So there are multiple ways. So there's giftofparenthood.com. Multiple ways to what? To get financing. Yeah. Right? And so the good news is though that it not all hope is lost. There are resources out there to help with the financial aspect of IVF. And Chase is going to tell us about this. So there's a couple. Take of them. it away, so Chase. So giftofparenthood.com is one of them. Um, there's also grants that you can just Google grants for IVF and you can do your research um, to better understand what that uh, entails. So guys, There's literally, we would advise Googling, just straight up Google, um, grants for IVF. There, We found tons, tons of resources, websites that list a bunch of different grants that you can apply for. We, again, we did not do that because we weren't aware these things existed. So I can't, we can't speak to the process of doing any of those things or, you know, how likely or unlikely anyone is to receive a grant. But man, if that is a limiting factor, it is definitely worth looking into for sure. Another one is future family where I think it actually advertises on the website that uh, you can get loans. Yeah, so Future Family be- is a lender specifically yep. for um, fertility treatments. Um, and our IVF clinic that we currently work with, with Dr. Amy, um, that's her number one recommended resource is Future Family. So they come highly recommended. Um, they advertise they, they that really anywhere from 300 to $475 a month could be what you'd be paying a month yeah. as you're financing... Um, which like IVF cycle. That's still obviously that's, that's still a lot of money, but it becomes a lot more doable than, you know, feeling like you have to come up with 15, 20 grand just out of your pocket to cover the full price of a cycle. Uh, there's also a story that is roughly about what it costs, right? Correct. (laughs) But I think, um, you know, if there's anyone listening, who's like, well, how much does it cost? Um, it really varies a lot by state. state. Totally depends on where you live. Um, but in California, where we have done our cycles, um, it's anywhere between 15000 and 25000 for one cycle. One cycle. It's, it's insane. Anyway, back to the good news, though. So there's actually a story in October of last year yeah. where this two cool. women worked part-time at Starbucks because they have IVF benefits for their workers. And Yay, so they, they found a job good at job, Starbucks, Starbucks. Yeah, and they worked part-time so that they could um, access those IVF benefits so that they could have, you know, children through yeah, IVF, man, which is if, awesome. If you have some insurance coverage, oh, that is huge there are, blessing. There are, uh, in California, there were also like quite a few tech companies and other companies that cover IVF, whether it's partially or fully. Um, yeah, so that would be probably, if you are employed, um, you know, by talking to HR and yeah, I would, I would investigate that first, first as my first, uh, resource, um, finding out if there's any coverage with your health benefits for, um, fertility treatments for sure. 
And then also, if there, I'm sure there are so many other um, options and, and ways to find the funding. Um, I would just ask in the comments of this episode, if you guys, if you do know of other ways, please share that so that DM, others could DM you know, benefit us on Instagram well. at Shannon Willardson on Instagram. Um, yeah, we would love to anything else that you know of that could be helpful there. We are all ears. Cause I think that is, that tends to be, that's one of our most frequently asked questions. Um, and it could just be a huge barrier, which is so sad. And I hate that aspect more than anything. Um, but yeah, there are resources, there are resources out there. There are financial resources out there. And I wish we would have known that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, number four, yep. number five, number five. Um, our last point of things that we wish we would have known before starting IVF is to choose your doctor and your clinic wisely. And this is a, what big do you mean one. by that? This is a big one. Um, so I will just share our experience to illustrate what I mean by that. Um, and I, I'll preface this by saying our intent here is in no way to slander anyone, um, you know, to be disparaging. I'm not even going to share the name of this clinic that we started with because that's, that's just not our intent. Um, but our experience was that we started at one clinic. We did two cycles at one clinic, and then we ended up moving to the clinic that we are currently with, the doctor that we're currently with, which is Dr. Amy. She's at Egg Whisperer on Instagram, and she is Amazing. Um, yeah, you won't get me to shut up once I start talking about her. She is an actual human angel unicorn. But um, <laughs> for real. Um, but like I said, we started initially at a different clinic based in California. Um, and we just did not have a great experience. Here's the thing that I feel like is worth noting. Chase and I, I mean, because these are the types of people we are, and because IVF is such a big deal. It's so expensive. It is such, it's not something that you do lightly at all. Um, we did a lot of research. We, we did our homework. We chose that initial clinic because for, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but it was very highly rated. Um, success rate, their, yeah, success, their success rate. rate was high, which means the number of patients that they see compared to the number of healthy births that they have was good. Um, that's kind of, I think how they determined success rates of IVF clinics. That number was good. Um, we had had a couple of friends that had been seen at that clinic and they had found success. Yeah, they, they had, had children. Success, yep. um, had had a good experience. So it, I mean, as far as we understood at the time, it checked all of the boxes, right? Um, the experience for us ended up being, it's not that it was, you know, there wasn't anything unlawful going on. It wasn't like negligence, nothing like that. Um, but the model that that clinic followed just ended up being... Because there's multiple models, right? There's IVF clinics that follow certain models and they approach things yeah, or just, the procedure a little bit differently. Right? Yeah, they all do things a little differently. Um, it just ended up being a really bad fit for us. Um, and here's why. So we did two cycles there. In the course of two cycles, I, I'm not even sure how many appointments you have. A lot. It's a lot of appointments. Um, I met my doctor one time in, in person, one time in the course of two cycles at that clinic. And I just didn't, that was, that was just not what I was expecting at all. I didn't know it was going to be like that. Um, the nurses of course were wonderful, but there was something about that approach that made it feel so impersonal for me. Um, and just, it made it 
it made me feel like I was, I was not receiving a high level of care, just straight up. Um, I also feel like the nature of that clinic was such that in cases like ours that were more complicated, there was a genetic component. Um, it, it wasn't just this kind of one and done or two and done even. Um, it felt like they weren't really interested in in our case once we had failed twice. twice. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, it, it didn't at all feel like, okay, well, what else can we try? It felt like more of a cookie cutter approach um, that, that lacked um, specificity based on our scenario. I think we just didn't fit the mold of their model, right? Yeah. And I think that's what it really came down to. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I want to say that we're going to put a pin on this specific topic and do come back and do like a full episode on this because what I want to learn more about myself so that I can share it with you guys is like how how does one then avoid that scenario that we had where you do your homework and you think you've you've done your due diligence and then it still ends up not being a, a good fit. You know, maybe in some ways it's like that's that's inevitable on some level, but I do think that there are other things that, that could be looked at, um, that might help guide someone in their choice of where to go and who to see. So we will do another episode on that. Um, but in contrast, so we ended up doing those two cycles at that clinic after the second failed cycle, um, the conversation we had with the doctor was just so interesting um, he basically, in so many words, and again, this, I, my intent, he was a good, good man, as far as I know. Great doctor. Helped well, a lot of well people meaning, have pregnancies. Like, I do, I do not for one second think that he was not a well-meaning person. I think he was, and a, and a good healthcare provider. Um, but the way that it was handled, like the, the conversation basically was, you know, in so many words, um, I'm not really even sure, like, it's kind of a miracle that you even have three kids to begin with. If I were you, I would go and just love on the kids you have. And, you know, and essentially, like, I give up. Like, I, I feel like he was telling us to give up. And in one way, I I appreciated that because he wasn't just trying like, to hey, continue I don't want you to, to spend take more our money. money. Yeah. yeah, like, he could have just, like, let us continue. Um but on the other hand, I also remember him in that conversation, he said, and again, this is after cycle two, um, he said, you know, I really feel like we've kind of thrown the kitchen, the kitchen sink at your, at your case, and I just, I'm not sure what else we could do. Um, and I literally remember thinking, and I think I said this to him, like, wow, really? Kitchen sink after two tries? Like, we're, we're, we're already at kitchen sink, huh? You know, like that, and I, I was just shocked by that, like, that's all you got. That's all the tricks in your bag. Really? After two times. Um, so that really turned me off. It just felt like more than anything, they weren't interested in, um, in seeing it through with us. Um, and so again, all of that for us was as it was meant to be as well, because it led us to find our current doctor, which is Dr. Amy, and our experience with her could not be more opposite. I mean, it is just the polar opposite, but that's also kind of what I'm wanting to demonstrate. Um, you called her a human unicorn. Human unicorn angel. Human angel unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> that is, 
exactly how I would describe her. Um, <laughs> she is in my phone. We text. It is the most personal level of care I have ever received from any doctor, let alone, you know, IVF doctors. Um, and also just her general outlook on IVF itself is so different than what that uh, former doctors was. It was just, it is so positive and so hopeful and even, and so pragmatic even. Um, you know, we had a conversation once after a cycle that looked like it wasn't going to go the way that we wanted to, um, where she just kind of said, you know, on some level with this, you have to kind of take the emotion out and look at it as um, this is going to take work and doing the cycles or the work. We just have to do the work. And that's, that's these egg retrievals. That's what it is. So as long as you can just put it in, um, we'll get there, you know? And that was so, so helpful for me to have her kind of remove the emotion out of it. It made it so much easier to not become completely devastated or completely lost, you know, loss of hope um, when things didn't go the way that we wanted them to. Um, so, so I want I want to I want to say something that yeah, yeah, might yeah. seem like a little bit of a tangent. No, this is um, but there was this a is so cool. So and it's not a tangent at all. I feel like this is super relevant. So in the 1970s, there was this experiment that uh, scientists were doing to test the heart health of two groups of rabbits, and both of these groups were given unhealthy, high fat diets, and despite receiving the same heart clogging foods, one group of rabbits was doing surprisingly well. So at first, the scientists conducting the study, they couldn't figure out what was going on. They're like, what is going on here? This is crazy. Um, then one day, they noticed something different in the group with a little more... Uh, because there were two groups of rabbits. Two groups of rabbits. All the conditions of the were all the same. were the same. Were the same. Okay, but one group was thriving and one was not. And one was not. Okay. And the difference was the researcher. So there was two different researchers that were helping with the experiment. And the researcher in charge of one of the groups was showing them more attention than the other group. She would pick them up. She would talk to them. She would pet them. And although the experiment was trying to test the, you know, for heart health, it stumbled upon a big, a big piece of this kind of wellness puzzle, which is that kindness matters and how people treat you and the type of care that you get and just your approach to the care that, that you're giving to other people. Actually affects results. And it reminds me, and you'll and I know you'll get into this with, with Dr. Amy, but I feel like in just... One of the appointments, I remember her saying, "You have such beautiful embryos." Yeah, that's they how she always so describes. Beautiful. <laughs> that's how she describes all of her patients' embryos as sparkling, beautiful embryos. Yeah, <laughs> that's how she talks about it. Um, but it just it just breathes so much hope into the patients, and I do feel like the attitude and when you you talked about the kitchen sink, I really do feel like she's looking at the kitchen sink and saying. What can we do? What haven't we tried? You know, taking yeah. the emotion out of it and just being very logical of like, while providing that same level of care and kindness, um, it, it just was amazing to watch and be an observer of, of that process. And it couldn't have made the experience for me on an emotional level any more different than it had been prior. Like emotionally, it helped so much with all of the things that inherently come with all of the challenges that inherently come with these IVF cycles. Um, because to your point, I mean, the fact that she was so positive, that she was so disarming, you know, like it was light and fun and funny in our appointments. Um, it, it just made 
all the difference in the world. So all of that to say, just be so, do as much as you can, do as much due diligence, homework, research, anything you can um, to make the best and most informed choice possible on your IVF clinic that you choose to move forward with and your doctor. Um, And one other, you know, aside with that is if you are able to do this, don't feel like you're limited to what's in state for you. I know that's a huge factor. There's a, you know, time, travel, money, all of that. Um, But, you know, we moved to Idaho in the middle of all of these cycles. We Mm -hmm. had lived in California and that we still see Dr. Amy and she's in California. We do remote visits with a clinic here in Idaho. She coordinates with them. Um, so it's not like I'm having to fly to California for every appointment. Um, but she is still overseeing all of my care. She's the one directing everything when I go to this remote clinic here in Idaho. Um, and then we just fly to California for the big stuff, egg retrievals, transfers. Um, so if it's within your means to, I mean, just don't feel like it has to be someone local and that's those are your only options. Absolutely. So in summary, the five points are, or the five takeaways? Time is of the essence slash urgency, 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 urgency. Number two, <laughs> um, doing IVF does not have to equal getting Pre- pregnant, pregnant right away. Um, so prioritize the urgency over having those two events, IVF cycle and pregnancy, um, correspond. They do not have to correspond. You can freeze your eggs. You can freeze your embryos. Um, the younger you are, the better. That's point two. Point three. three what's point three, Chase? Do you remember? Financial. Yeah, nope. finance. Wrong. That Wrong. Wasn't it finance? Bop. <laughs> oh. No, it was managing your expectations. Oh, managing your expectations. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, managing expectations, which... Um, I think had we gone in with the expectations of this is a new process and journey for us and we're going to, you know, hope for the best, but um, just kind of learn as we go and and not have unrealistic expectations, but then at the same time, not, um, not, you know, go in there with a negative mindset either. And so I think we just were, you know, accepting of whatever came our way and and we'll learn as we go, and it's going to be a journey. We wish we were. We got to that point. Well, yeah, we got we, to that point we after two cycles. Whatever but came our way, but that's true. It took. I mean, it took going through some major loss of hope and despair because because we had expected that it was going to be easy, easy breezy for us. That's true. Um, yeah. Um, and then four. Four was the financial, like under, understanding and knowing that there are financial resources available to you um, to help with the cost of IVF. And then last of all. Um, number five was choose your doctor and your IVF clinic. Wisely. Oh, so very wisely. And that's one that we will come back to because I have a lot more thoughts about that. So I looked up a stat before we started this, that there have been 9 million people that have been born as a result of IVF. I love that. Which is pretty cool. That is so And so we're going to have 9 cool. million and one, and maybe, and two in our family in the future. Yeah, so we're, we'll, we'll contribute we'll and add to that yeah. number. <laughs> yes. But um, thank you so much for joining us on episode three. 
Yeah, and you guys, as always, let us know if you have any questions, any feedback. Um, I feel like as we're approaching the end of this episode, I'm suddenly like, oh my gosh, there's so many more though. (laughs) So let us know if you have any specific questions about the IVF process. um, And maybe we'll do a part two where we share some other things that we wish we would have known. Um, But hopefully this was helpful in some way. I really struggled to (laughs) articulate some of those points, but hopefully it was helpful in some way to someone if uh, IVF is in your in your future. So where can they find us? You know, why don't you tell them, Chase? <laughs> you can find us at Shannon Willardson. Um, on Instagram. On Instagram. You can find us at Family Made, um, fam- in the Family Made Network, uh, on any anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, also Spotify, Apple. Apple, Spotify. Um, and then our YouTube channel, The Willardson Family. Uh, we post the um, audio and visual. Audio, visual. That's right. So you'll component. be able to see Shannon's sign language that she did at the yeah. beginning trying to sign IVF. I just apologize in advance for anyone <laughs> who's, who's watching uh, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, the video. Okay. And okay. then TikTok? And then Shannon Willardson on TikTok. That's right. Okay. That's well, we're... thanks again for joining us on episode we three. We love you guys. Of the Don't Judge, Just Love podcast. We can't wait to uh, talk to you more and uh, and hear from you and we will see you in our next episode take care